Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland is a classic children's tale of sense from no sense. I spent a short time of my own childhood fascinated by the book. I admit I've never seen any of the movies. And I'm looking forward to reading it to my own kids. Rabbit holes, talking cards, cabbages, and kings. Carol's story is silly and mysterious and marvelous and full of curious and unexpected wisdom. At one point, the frantic and harried white rabbit is passing through the scene yet again, and he instructs the often confused Alice to... Don't just do something, stand there. It's a comic moment in the story, one that we can all identify with. All of us who have been told at one time or another to use our time more efficiently, get going, speed up, quit wasting time. And from that context, the phrase is hilarious. Even at a young age, I remember thinking that this, this is funny. It was my growing brain's introduction to irony. Don't just do something. Stand there. It's absurd. Contrary to everything that we've always been told. But it's also the message that we are getting from this morning's gospel. Peter, James, and John have gone up a high mountain with Jesus. Jesus is transfigured. Transformed from normal looking to a holy, dazzling white before the disciples. They are visited by two of the great prophets, Moses and Elijah. Having no idea what this means, having no experience of this before, and ostensibly having never read Alice's adventures, Peter gets to work. Quick, let's build something, let's honor something, let's do something. Peter could have many motives, but one that I think may be true is this natural desire to make the experience of transformation into something more manageable, less unwieldy, more predictable. Peter is trying to have some control over a situation that is, by its divine nature, uncontrollable. How much easier would it be to build those tents to enclose and contain the experience in some way, rather than to stand still in the midst of that fantastic confusion in the love and the holy chaos that is God. How much easier to gather supplies, to make a plan, to make a list, to get to work, to distract himself from, what, from whatever this event unfolding really means. In the midst of his trying to do something, or at least figure out what in the world he is supposed to do, Peter more or less receives his answer. He is interrupted by God. He is interrupted by a sentence that sets the path of theological discourse for centuries. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God tells the disciples and tells us that we must listen to Jesus. We must keep listening to him. It is a continual process, not something that can be stopped. Don't just do something. Stand there. 
Stop your worrying and your carrying on and your nonsense. Look, listen, close your mouth, Peter. Still your hands. God is telling you everything you need to know. Listen. Bless his heart. I wouldn't trade places with him for all the tea cakes in Alice's Wonderland. Peter tries so hard to do what is right. He's trying to be a good host to these visitors, to Elijah and Moses. He is responding in the best way he knows how to the presence of something important in front of him by doing something, anything. We've seen our biblical friends fall into this trap before. Remember Mary and Martha? Mary is content to sit at Jesus' feet and learn, while Martha knows only that lunch isn't ready and the house is a mess. Trying so hard to honor Jesus with a good spread, she responds in the best way she knows how to the presence of something important in front of her. By doing something, anything. And Jesus stops her much in the same way. Martha, Martha, sit down. Listen, the message is the same. There is so much to do. And even when there isn't much to do, we'll come up with something. It's much harder to still our hands, to hush our mouths, and listen. Just pay attention to what God is doing in front of us. Peter was lucky. The voice of God was loud and obvious. The time and the place were set apart. The voice was easy to hear. There was no cacophony, no distraction. Peter had it easy, and he still didn't get it right. How much more difficult is it for us who do not have the advantage of a divine, booming voice? All of these distractions... All of the things that we are doing to fill our lives with sound and activity, there is a lot of it that serves to distract us from the voice of God patiently repeating, this is my son, listen to him. God is not calling us to stop everything completely and forever, to cease all work and play, never utter a peep again, we have good and holy work to do, after all. But we are called by this story to examine the work that we do, to separate the important from the fussing, from the things that fulfill us and connect us and build up the kingdom, from the things that get in the way of our relationships with one another and thus get in the way of relationship with God. It's important to note that there is no private epiphany here, no private transfiguration, no private transformation. They and we are transformed, transfigured in community, community with one another, community across time with prophets and martyrs, community across the planets with companions in Tanzania and in Brazil. One of the hardest things about being in relationship with God or with anyone is knowing when to work, when to talk and to do, and when to listen, to just stand there. 
It has been one of our greatest challenges as we negotiate our own parish relationships across the globe. It's easy for us to help, to build, to send money, to collect, to offer advice. We know how to talk. We know how to build and organize and fundraise. It's harder to hush our mouths and still our hands and stand there, Christians with Christians, listening for God's voice. That is when transformation takes place. Because our brothers and sisters, they know a lot too. And somewhere between us and them, there is a we, and God lives there. We just have to listen for that voice. And it may happen with some initial discomfort because silence can be awkward and weird. And it may happen with some fear as it did with the disciples upon hearing God's voice. But it will happen. And when it does, we will be standing on holy ground, dwelling with God. We are the beloved. We are on the precipice of the great chasm of Lent. We enter into this season just as we do every year, with the desire to be transformed, to walk within a fuller awareness of God's purposes for the world and our place in those purposes. I wonder if this year you will join me in carving out some time to listen in a purposeful and intentional manner. You can call it prayer. You can call it meditation. But for heaven's sake, don't just do something. Stand there. Amen.